Welcome to Growthcast again. We are recording episode four. We're here with my dear friend, Mihir Patak from Stack Overflow. Mihir is the chief strategy officer and has seen the evolution of Stack Overflow, which if you're in tech, you know it's one of the coolest platforms. So I'm super excited to have him on board because he has a unique vantage point when it comes to uh, growing an enterprise company that is focused on developers, but he also has some very, very good topics to talk about uh, leadership and its challenges in a growing organization. So uh, without further ado, um, me here, welcome. Hey, thanks for having me on. And uh, you forgot to mention we're both from Delaware as well. <laughs> that is true. I forgot to mention that as well. Uh, me here and our friendship go back a while as we know a lot of the same people. So it's going to be it's going to be fun. Uh, a little bit of nostalgia as well. So me here, getting right into it. We are talking about serving developers in the age of SaaS, right? And uh, one thing that I think listeners would be curious about is what does Stack Overflow do in the business model just to set the stage of who you are and how you operate, right? Yeah, sure. Um, so Stack Overflow is the largest online developer community. We have about 100 million plus uh, monthly visitors coming to our site. And it's free. It's, it's free Q&A to come online. Um, you could ask questions. Uh, you could get answers or answer other people's questions. And it's a, literally a community where um, you could help other folks online um, code or help yourself code and, and improve whatever project you're working on. Our business model um, kind of spans a, a couple of different things. Um, we have a privatized version of that same Q&A we do on the community platform, on the public platform. Um, we call that Stack Overflow for Teams. Um, and so if you imagine on the public site, um, you're asking and answering questions that are good general questions to ask. And then in a proprietary setting, like um, at work, you can ask um, work-specific questions, and that kind of stays inside the firewall of, of the organization. So we have that. And then we also, um, uh, because we have the largest online developer community, um, a lot of... Uh, companies and, and people out in the market want to engage with, with this niche uh, community. So we offer various forms of engagement, one of the big ones being um, advertising. Interesting. So, you know, um, we talk about community-led growth. Uh, we had, interestingly, had like a little bit of an offsite uh, ourselves, and we we're talking about product-led growth and how do you actually do PLG when you're traditionally in account-led growth. And it's a, it's a massive undertaking to because you don't want to break an engine that is proven. So how do you actually create the transition point? Uh, and one key thing that you mentioned was you have 100 million developers, which is like almost like the holy grail, right? Like most companies uh, aspire to have that large of a community. So I'm curious to know that in this expansion packet of product-led growth, which is community-led growth, how did you actually get to that point? How did you grow to the 100 million mark? And how do you keep growing, right? Because that's the next challenge. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's a great question. So historically, um, uh, we had the benefit, our founder being Joel Skolsky, <laughs> who's like a legend in the space, um, or as we would say back in Delaware, he's the OG. So uh, <laughs> he, uh, he, was, uh, he had a very popular blog back in the day, and when he started and launched Stack Overflow, 
essentially all the blog followers moved over to Stack Overflow and helped build up the community um, and the roots of it and, and grew it into what it is today. But at its heart, um, because the average user that comes to Stack Overflow is getting some kind of value and can immediately identify that value for their own uh, personal projects or personal lives or whatever they're working on, um, that, that's really uh, been the massive enabler for community-led growth or product-led growth. So I, I would say to anyone interested in um, you know, a successful PLG model, um, it's how quickly can a user identify the value proposition? Interesting. Uh, I think that we, we're going to get a little bit more into it as we start talking about like marketing for developers and how do developers think in general, because you want to market to your persona. I want to touch upon some of your key products before, just because obviously that will segue really well into why it's a core value proposition for your developers. So you've got two very interesting products. One's the Teams product and the other one is the advertising product. Uh, starting with the Teams product, for the general listeners on this podcast, what is the Teams product and what does it do? Sure. So uh, it's the same Q&A that you see online. You have that um, as a proprietary software. Um, so essentially, if you think about it, um, right now, if you're working at your company, um, you kind of get stuck coding, what do you do? Well, you bug somebody next to you, or really you're pinging them on uh, some sort of chat ops platform, um, or you're going to uh, an internal wiki site, and uh, some of the content there is most likely out of date or not relevant. And, uh, or, or there's some documentation thing or um, some uh, software that maybe does knowledge management, but there is just not enough liquidity in the database. So, um, so that, that's sort of the current state of things. And what we see from the public platform is if you actually get enough liquidity on the site, you make the experience uh, seamless. And um, you know, that Q&A format is really cool because you don't have to guess at how much you need to write. Like in a wiki form, it's like a free form essay. Yeah. Uh, when it's a Q&A format, you don't have to write any more or less than just literally answering the question. And matter of fact, if you ask the question the right way, you could stay very objective. So we, we are really big uh, uh, when it comes to that Q&A format. And what we've done is we've applied that and the other lessons we learned through the public platform for that private setting. And for the companies that have um, bought the software and used it over the years, they're seeing tremendous value and you know, our, our metrics sort of support um, our, our growth and, and our potential here. Yeah, so it sounds like it's like a conversational version of GitHub in some ways. And I've been a user of the product in a previous life. And I can say that it's very good when it comes to things like paired programming. But in the age of even remote right now during COVID, I'm sure that you saw a huge surge uh, and you benefited, not that anybody benefited necessarily from the pandemic, but uh, just purely from an operational standpoint, having more developers using the tool and then coupling that with things like GitLab and GitHub just to have their workflow be seamless uh, from things like not only paired programming to DevOps as well, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and we think um, complementing the developer workflow is the way to go. So right. we'll have integrations with um, GitHub to Slack to Microsoft Teams and, and Okta, many, many, um, uh, many other tools that uh, developers use every single day. Right, 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 right. And one other interesting thing that I wanted to talk about is your advertising product. So 
Yeah. Uh, when you think about a developer, the classic developer mindset is like, uh, oh, I'm going to run away from advertising because it's a persona that is like, oh, I, I, I don't want to be sold to. I want to do my own educational due diligence. And I want to. So when you're attracting that type of audience, A, what is the advertising product? But B, how do you start thinking about building around such a community, such a product as well? Sure, sure. So um, let me take a step back and answer that for you. I think um, the way we look at that internally is an engagement mechanism for folks to um, interact with developers. And um, historically, we've had um, a, a jobs business. We call that talent. We have a pure advertising business in terms of banner ads. Um, today, we're getting into things like podcasts and um, other forms of employer branding. Um, so if, if I look at that entire spectrum, the way I view that is it's a way to evangelize to and engage with our online community. Um, so today, some, some specific products that I could highlight is um, our advertising products, which uh, take the form of traditional banner advertising but also are things like white papers and, and various other um, sorts of uh, learning mechanisms. Right. What we find is as long as any product we put on Stack Overflow is endemic for the content on Stack Overflow, um, yeah. it becomes an immediate value add uh, to the users that actually learn. Interesting. And, and as you think through both products, I'm just curious for my own knowledge is that are both products naturally synergistic or do you have to have different uh, growth paths to selling teams and advertising or do can you sell both via the same mechanism? Yeah, um, today for the most part, they, they sell into different buyers. Um, yeah. Teams typically goes to your um, CTO, CIO, VP of engineering type of buyer, whereas um, the advertising um, goes more towards, and if it's company advertising, it really goes more towards the marketing buyer. If yep. it's talent advertising or employer branding goes towards the HR buyer. So the buyers are slightly different. For the right um, uh, customer, you know, we're more than happy to package things up and um, kind of sit side by side with you and figure out your comprehensive developer strategy. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but depending on, you know, who you are and how you work and what, what your goals are, um, you know, oftentimes we sell one or, or two of the three products. Interesting. So one topic I wanted to segue into is like talking about the community because this is around serving developers and community-led growth. And um, one thing that I find fascinating is the persona itself. Uh, developers are a very, very unique breed. Uh, they are not like any other economic slash technical buyer. They have typically a mindset of like, I kind of know what I want. I kind of know what I'm looking for. And it has to fit those bells and whistles. So I'm curious to know from your vantage point, how do developers think? How open-minded are they to trying new products? Uh, it's not like a typical RFP bake-off process. So how do they even think through just the purchase decision when it comes to having dependencies on other economic buyers for them, right? So. Yeah, I think, um, I think there's two ways to think about how to sell to developers. One is, um, I, I'll go back to what I said earlier about endemic advertising. If you're on the right. Java page for Stack Overflow, you'll never see a Ford F-150 truck ad, right? Like there yeah. has to be relevant content. And if a developer feels like, 
um, uh, he or she will learn from the content placed in front of them, they're very likely to click on it, read it, engage with it, and actually go down your entire funnel um, to see, see what's at the end of the rainbow, so to speak. So that, that's one major way and probably the most um, effective way of getting a developer engaged on, on whatever you're trying to evangelize. Right. Um, the second thing is uh, we call it developer love, but if you're just working on something super cool, yeah. <laughs> a developer will want to learn about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I think that I do think that if you are working, um, if you have the ability to capture the imagination of a developer, I think that the developer persona is typically a challenge focused one and they want to ensure that whatever advertising that you create regardless of the format, whether it's paid or organic, has to be aspirational in some ways. It has to be like I am breaking through to the other side by solving a challenge that I ordinarily wouldn't be able to uh, do. And so they don't, it's, it's a classic, I don't want to be sold, I want to be told. But then within the told part is like, I want to solve for something uh, very crystal and potentially challenge myself as well. Uh, and, and that's a very unique subset. I, I sometimes think that, you know, we're living in that age of abundance and uh, we're, we're the future technologies at play. And we're talking about EVs, we're talking about uh, cryptocurrencies, we're talking about all these different challenges. And I talk to my developer friends and they're like, you know, strategically, I've made my bet in said industry, which could be advertising, could be cloud. And the next juncture is where I aspire to go. So I'm going to potentially click on something that may be related to me building the next, the future, so to speak. So that yeah. could be one way to start thinking about the advertising strategy as to how aspirational is it, how future oriented is it, how possibly collaborative is it in terms of the workflow as well. Um, and, and possibly it's more messaging and less visual uh, because they can, uh, they can let their imagination run, uh, but they just want to get the core detail, so to speak. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting observation because if you think about the fundamental nature of what developers do, they're literally writing code or, or scripts um, that run applications or programs or different things that impact the everyday lives of human behavior. Like, right. we don't use alarm clocks anymore. It's an app on the phone. Yeah. Uh, for the pandemic, we don't call taxis anymore, right? It's, it's uh, Ubers or Lyfts. So, um, and if you look across uh, how your everyday life sort of functions, um, you'll see that, you know, code is really running your life, right? So yeah. in some ways, um, when the developer today is writing their code, they're, that's eventually going to be like a product or, or a service down the line. They're literally writing the script for the future. So I think they're oriented towards that, you know, sort of what's the future looking or forward looking thing based on what yeah. I'm doing here today. But there's also a second layer to this, which is um, very simplified down. Like, you know, if, if a developer is going on Stack Overflow, they're looking for an answer to their question. If we have pop-up ads that are in their face or something that's running for seven seconds before they could close the ad or something, very, very quickly, um, those gating mechanisms are going to push our traffic, push developer traffic away from Stack Overflow into other places. So we're very cautious about um, how we serve our community, how we maintain the integrity of the community. And we have mechanisms and rules in place where we don't sort of violate that trust that we have with our community members. 
I like that you brought up integrity in addition to aspiration, right? Like integrity is an important piece because it's not only for the developer community, it's becoming important for uh, the just the general population as GDPR and CCPA become rules and like third party cookies are going away. And obviously Google and iOS are making provisions to, uh, to block that so that people become more first party dependent. This is also classically why CDPs or customer data platforms are gaining traction. Uh, everything from your segments to your lytics to your, uh, to your teleums. Um, so it, it is important to start thinking about uh, what is also convenient that doesn't uh, infringe upon their privacy, where people feel secure uh, and not bombarded slash sold, right? Right. Um, I mean, yeah. it's it's um it's a good point, and I you know of course um compliance with those regulations, any future new regulations, um, how they break down geographically, um, also plays a big role. But fundamentally, going back to the users on the community, yeah, um, you know, we'd love for people to sign up with a real name and a real email, and and we can learn something about the user and help that user. But the reality is, um, there's a, a disproportionate percentage of users on Stack Overflow that have a pseudonym or they, they're not comfortable sharing their real information, we're totally okay with that. You could come use Stack Overflow and all its bells and whistles for completely free right now. And all we want to do is serve that developer that, that shows up there. And in exchange for that um, um, and adding that kind of value, um, we hope to um, get, get a percentage of folks um, looking at some of the other products we sell uh, for a price and we could continue adding that value on, on sort of that level. But we're hoping it's the company paying for that, not the average developer paying for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, the, yeah, marketing to developers is an interesting thing and we're covering off some of that. Within, let's call it this developer audience, I imagine that you cannot take a blanket suite approach, thinking of every developer as the same as the next developer. I'm curious to know if there is some, like from a marketing to developer standpoint, are there cohorts or buckets or could you potentially use the one size fits all rule across a very specific community like developers? Yeah, I think um, I think when it comes down to um, the process at which you were to advertise, um, again, going back to gating mechanisms or pop-ups or stuff, you could probably use a blanket approach there. But when it comes down to um, cohorting is a good word. If you break it down by, um, you know, very experienced coders versus new coders, um, they're interested in different things. Um, if, if you break it down by um, uh, languages or technologies that they use, they may be different, interested in different products and services. In fact, at Stack Overflow, we have tags that um, uh, tell us, uh, uh, you know, what your interest is or what question you're looking up and that sort of thing. And based on those tags, we could put the right kind of uh, advertising on that page. So it always stays relevant. Interesting. Um, one interesting area of growth that uh, I'm curious to talk about as content because there's a lot of power towards it. Um, Community-led growth relies heavily on uh, content uh, made be through uh, documentation, podcasts, blogs, and, and there's a variety of different mechanisms, right? Um, I mean, Clubhouse is also gaining steam right now, and you and I were talking about that a little bit before. Uh, uh, 
particularly for consumer audiences. So uh, I guess my question to you is, when you think about the power of content, um, A, in the context of Stack Overflow, if you've got any anecdotes of what, what's worked, please, if you can share it, please do. But yeah. like, how do you start thinking about the right type of content and the right type of content channels as well? Yeah, um, it, it's funny, um, uh, you know, kind of the, the power of content, and we have all seen it in this pandemic when you re can't really go out. Um, basically, you've watched everything possible on Netflix, right? So it's yeah. like <laughs> the power of content is real and, and good content um, will always drive value. Um, we always believed at Stack Overflow, our, our Q&A is, is really the... Um, the magic, right? Um, right. And the fact that we've put some rules in place where you have to have objective uh, answers to questions. So you can't ask a question like, what's the best language? That, yeah. that, there's no mechanism today that exists uh, or venue that exists where you could ask that kind of question. It literally has to be a specific um, question that's answerable in an objective way. And so now you take out... Um, uh, as much subjectivity out of that situation as possible. And it remains like an integrity field artifact because it has a real black and white answer to a real black and white question. Um, so, so we don't really operate too much in that gray area. And I think that's actually helped us from, from a community knowledge transfer sort of perspective. Interesting. So yeah, Q&A and forums are, very tactical in a certain sense because this goes back to what we said is that it is a uh, the uh, developer community is very much a knowledge seeking arena right. and possibly they like the process of inquiry which is why the q a slash forum format works uh discussion and uh, it goes back to why also possibly the team's product is successful uh because you know the developer has built a product around how they think and therefore other developers are able to also buy into it because they would typically think in the, along the same lines as well. So, so uh, oh, sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> I was just going to say, we also do um, uh, an annual developer survey where uh, over, you know, somewhere around 100,000 developers uh, yeah. will spend an hour filling out uh, a survey for us for free and give us insight into how they think and, and, how they uh, think about various topics, who they are, what languages they're interested in, all yeah. that kind of stuff. And we're able to compile that and we publish that information um, um, annually. So uh, definitely look out for that if you're interested in the latest developer trends. Yeah, I'm curious. I mean, do you give incentives for these surveys or are they organic? They're just uh, volunt uh, voluntary? Uh, voluntary. To my knowledge, they're 100% voluntary. And yeah. you know, it's, it's sort of this this relationship we have with our community, uh, we serve well, they, you know, do things like this for us. And we're able to, you know, it, it, we're, we're, from a mission standpoint, oriented to best serve the developer. And that's where that's our root and, and heart of anything we do as a company, we're, we're thinking around, um, uh, it's rooted in that kind of fundamental. So um, through that aspect, um, we're fortunate enough to have so much brand affinity and, and um, affinity towards the company where we can do different things like that. And, and we're sort of blessed to have it. You are very fortunate, my friend. And, you know, I think it is about preserving that integrity. I think it's built into your cultural fabric, which is why developers feel 
a little bit more of a give back to a tribe or a community that I hold so dear. And that's why community like growth is uh, or Stack Overflow is such a successful case study in that. And that's why I appreciate the time that you have made here, me here. So um, what I would like to, uh, before I say thank you, is that uh, please invite everybody to check out uh, Mihir's work. He's available on LinkedIn. Mihir's a phenomenal individual. I was not able to um, flatter him enough before, besides being the Chief Strategy Officer of Stack Overflow. He was a presidential management fellow as well, and he's worked at NASA as well. Uh, and these are some of the things that actually we shared and we bonded because of my work at Singularity University and me, if you recall, going for the Presidential Innovation Fellowship at the White House as well. So, um, but it's always exciting to have you, uh, me here on board. Please come back. We can talk and riff about anything else that you'd like to. Uh, and thanks so much. Sounds great. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure and love to come back. Cheers.